Well, I'm really excited about my message this morning. I have been chewing on this for a little while now. And this morning, I, want, I really want to speak especially to women this morning. If you're a man, please don't check out. Um, this is for you too. There's a lot of really good things about identity that I'm going to talk about this morning. But I really felt like the Lord really wanted to empower women this morning. I just, I just felt that on Mother's Day, like the Lord wants to empower, he wants to encourage you, and he wants to, to place a fresh fire within you to step into all that God has. And so what I want you to do is if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of Esther chapter 4. If you don't know where Esther is, it's in between Job and Nehemiah, and Esther chapter 4, and just kind of hang out there. I'm going to provide a lot of context, but I want you to just turn there and just have your finger there for where we're going. Let's pray real quick. Jesus, we ask you that you would bless this message. We ask you, Jesus, that you would fill me with your words and that you would communicate your heart, Lord. We ask you for humility even. I just say in all humility as we approach the word that it would pierce our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so intro. I love the book of Esther. How many have read the book of Esther all the way through? If you haven't, you you need to. It's a phenomenal book. And so here we have, in chapter one, we have a king. His name is Ahasuerus. Say Ahasuerus. And historically, if you like history, that, that would be Xerxes I, king of Persia. And so King as Ahasuerus, or Xerxes I, we have in chapter 1, he gets upset at the current queen, that is Queen Vashti, and he removes her from being queen. And then we have Esther 2. Esther 2 begins with the king's attendants forming a plan to find a new queen. They're like, okay, we need to find a new queen. Here's the plan that we are going to put in place. And that's Esther 2, verse 2, which says, Then the king's attendants, who served him, said, Let beautiful young virgins be sought for the king. And may the king appoint overseers in all the provinces of his kingdom and have them bring every beautiful young virgin to the citadel of Susa, to the harem, into the custody of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women. And let their cosmetics be given to them. Then let the young woman who pleases the king be queen in place of Vashti. And the suggestion pleased the king, and he did accordingly. So this is the plan. And then we meet Mordecai. Mordecai is the cousin and the guardian of Esther. And then finally in Esther 2.7, we meet Esther. We learn that Esther is a beautiful young woman. I get the idea that Esther was probably a little more quiet, a little more reserved, but, but humble. And Esther is a Jew by birth. And it's very interesting in this book, they mention her Jewish name only once. And her Jewish name right here in Esther 2 is Hadassah. Say Hadassah. Hadassah. So that is Esther's Jewish name. From that point forward, her name will be Esther, which is a Persian name. So right off the bat, we, we get a little glimpse about where this book is headed. Esther being a Jew be, kind of becomes, her identity becomes Persian. And so she takes the name Esther as she's going through this process. Then we find in Esther 2.8, Esther is taken to the king's palace. She grows in favor to follow the process. And the process was a lot. 
In Esther 2.12, we find that they had 12 months of beauty treatments. Now, how about that? A whole year of spa treatments. <laughs> That's intense. This is just, you haven't even approached the king yet. You got to go through 12 months of beauty treatments before you even get a meeting with the king. And so it is clear from this passage that King Ahasuerus holds beauty as a big deal in this search. And then we have the moment where the king chooses Esther as his queen. She finds favor in his sight. And she basically finds favor both in the sight of the eunuch and in the sight of the king. And they end up giving her favor and she ends up becoming queen of Persia. I'm giving you guys a quick context run through, so hang, hang out with me. Next in chapter 3, we meet Haman. Haman is a bad dude. He's a bad dude. Haman gains the king's favor, and he's put in charge of all of the king's officials. And then he sees Mordecai refusing to bow down, and he decides he's not just going to kill Mordecai, but he's going to wipe out all of the Jews. So this is evil at its finest, right? It's not enough that one person won't bow down to me. I'm going to destroy your entire race because you won't bow down to me. And so this decree was put into writing and sent out. So this is not one of those things like nowadays we would just send an email and just, it would be fine, you know. I am no longer going to do that edict. And it's done, right? In like five seconds someone gets an email. But this was done in writing. So we're talking like people sent the king's orders all across the land. And so this wasn't something that you undo easily, you know, because someone way down on the northern section of the border may have just gotten that. And so the decree went out into writing, and this is how Mordecai discovers the plot. Esther finds out, and there's great fear, and she summers, summons one of her attendants, Hatach, to go to Mordecai and find out exactly what is going on. And I want you to pick up here with me in Esther 4, verse 9. So if you have your Bible, turn to Esther 4, verse 9, and here's what it says. So Hatach came back and reported Mordecai's words to Esther. Then Esther spoke to Hatach and ordered him to reply to Mordecai. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that for any man or woman who comes to the king in the inner courtyard who is not summoned, he has only one law that he be put to death unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter so that he may live. And I have not been summoned to come to the king for these 30 days. Verse 12, and they reported Esther's words to Mordecai. So this is the moment of truth, right? This is the life or death moment. Esther does not have a meeting with the king. She has not, this has not been accepted in Google Cal. This is a spur of the moment meeting, right? This is something that Esther's like, okay, I don't have this meeting. And because I don't have this meeting, I haven't been summoned. There's only two opportunities here. One, either I'm going to die or I'm going to live. Now that's a pretty big, that's a bold move. I don't even know if I would have approached the king. Like this is, this is courage. For Esther to even consider this is courage building up within her. And so this is the moment of truth. Esther was worried. She was like, I, I, I don't know what to do. And this is what I love is Mordecai steps in. And I want us to pick up in Esther 4.13. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther. 
This is the famous verse that most of you know. Do not imagine that you in the king's palace can escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, liberation and rescue will arise for the Jews from another place. And you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, Go, gather all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days or nights. And I and my attendants will also fast. And then here she makes her decision. She says, And then I will go into the king, which is not in accordance with the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and did just as Esther commanded him. What I love about this is this is Mordecai as her legal guardian, but also as a man in her life, as a leader, saying, Esther, this is not a moment to be silent. This is not a moment to just lean back and say, okay, I don't know. No, 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 no. This, it, what if this is your calling? What if, what, if I, what if God created you for this moment? where he's put you in favor with the king of Persia, and now you have an opportunity not just to come in as a queen, but to save your people, the Jews. And so, I want, and so Esther 5, let's just keep reading. Verse 1, now it came about on the third day that Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner courtyard of the king's palace in front of the king's rooms. And the king was sitting on his royal throne in the throne room, opposite the entrance to the palace. When the king saw Esther, the queen, standing in the courtyard, she obtained favor in his sight. And the king extended to Esther the golden scepter, which was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the top of the scepter. Then the king said to her, What is troubling you, Queen Esther? And what is your request? Up to half of the kingdom, and it shall be given to you. The rest of the story we, we probably know well. She ends up inviting Haman and the king to a banquet. And then we have, of course, Esther 7, which is where basically they're sitting at the banquet and Esther reveals her plan to the king. She says, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me as my request and my people as my wish. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, killed, and eliminated. Now, if only we had been sold as slaves, men and women, I would have kept silent because the distress would not be sufficient reason to burden the king. Then King Ahasuerus asked Queen Esther, who is he and where is he who would presume to do such a thing? And Esther said, a foe and an enemy is this wicked Haman. Then Haman became terrified before the king and queen. And then we have, of course, the king commanding Haman to be put to death on the same gallows that Haman intended for Mordecai. That's the book of Esther. Everybody with me? All right, that was a quick rundown. I just, we needed to all get on the same page. So I know that was a lot, but listen, as I was praying through the book of Esther, one theme emerged to me that I hadn't seen before. And the theme was this, identity. It was identity. And when I was looking at identity, I think sometimes it's easy to go, okay, what, what is identity? What does that even mean? And as believers, our definition of identity is different than the world's. So this is why this is important. When I Googled identity, the first thing that came up is the way you think about yourself and the characteristics that define you. But of course, as believers, we know it's not the way we think, it's the way God thinks. 
And that's a significant difference because if I focus my identity on what I think, I'm going to go through roller coasters my whole life. I'm going to be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, not, not great over here. No, I'm great. But if you, if you anchor your identity to what God says and who God says that you are, you will not go up and down. You will ride with the Lord because your identity is based in him and not in others. This is identity. And so I just want you to see this. Like sometimes our culture, we love to identify based on things. I, like we love to identify. Have you ever been like with, with your, you know, work friends and like you can't get away from talking about what you do you know what i'm saying like i remember i i used to be a a product manager for a um company based in california that sold these huge instruments for hospitals and everywhere i would go the first thing that people would ask me is oh so what's your title what do you do and it was like it was like my identity was purely that I was a product manager working for X and X company. That was my identity. So sometimes we can place our identity in, in what our gifts are. We can place it in our talents. We can place it in our mistakes. We can define ourselves based on outward things. But identity is much deeper than this, right? It's much deeper. It's the way that we view ourselves through the fact that Jesus purchased us. He created us. We're fearfully and wonderfully made, it says in Psalm 139. And so the question is, do we view ourselves through who we are in Jesus and who God created us, or do we view ourselves based on how others see us, how we think someone wants us to be, how we think someone wants us to look, or what we think we need to be? Does this make sense? And so I want us now, let's go back to Esther 5, verse 1. And I want to pick out some key words. This to me is an amazing, an amazing scene in the story. So this would be like we've, we've watched the whole movie. You know, we're about an hour into the movie. We're kind of like, all right, the movie's good. It's building towards something. And all of a sudden, Esther 5, climax. This is it. This is like the moment. The audio's loud. There's a lot of movement going on. The main characters are coming in. And Esther says she came about on the third day, she put on her royal robes. I want you to say put on. What is that a sign of? Identity. What is Esther doing? Esther could have walked in without the royal robes, but what is the purpose of the royal robes? The fact that Esther is not just anyone. Esther's not approaching the king off the street. She's approaching the queen as the, the king as the queen of Persia. What's a sign of that? Her royal robes. So Esther, right off the bat, she clothes herself in her identity. She literally puts it on. She puts on her royal robes. And I love this because it doesn't say this anywhere else. And the other thing is the, the king addresses her as Queen Esther. Queen Esther is only mentioned one other time in this entire book, Esther the word queen is only mentioned one other time, and it's in Esther 2 when she becomes queen. So I believe that this is significant. The king is seeing Esther in her royal robes, sitting in the courtyard, and he goes, Queen Esther, identity. It's identity. And so the king addresses her. 
Why is this significant? It speaks to her identity. No one else can occupy the place that Esther occupies. Did you know that no one else can occupy the place that you were called to occupy? No one else can occupy the identity that you carry and that you walk in. No one else possesses that but you. And so Esther, in this moment, no one else can do this except Esther. She is the one that has the favor. She is the queen. And so she steps in, in her identity as queen of Persia, and she approaches the king. But listen, she's not just approaching the queen, the king, as the queen of Persia. What else is she doing? She's stepping into her godly heritage as a Jew. She's approaching the king to save her people. Think about this. She's approaching the king to save her people, not the king's people. So there's another aspect of identity here. She's a queen of Persia, but she's also a royal Jew. And in this moment, she's giving the king a glimpse. She's saying, I, in my courage, am going to stand for my people. And I'm going to approach you even though I do not have a meeting with you. I'm going to approach you because I am walking in the fullness that I am a queen of Persia, but I am also a royal Jew fighting on behalf of my people. Another point is, do you remember me talking about the, the beauty 12 months of beauty spa treatments, right? So the previous meeting that Esther had with the king, she prepared for 12 months for it. She went through 12 months of beauty treatments. There's no mention of that here. Esther's not approaching the king after all of these beauty treatments. She's approaching the king exactly as she is. She's not relying on beauty alone anymore. She's not just relying on beauty. She's relying on her royal identity. And I believe the emphasis in this passage on the the word royal and on Esther standing in the courtyard is a reference to her standing in her identity and stepping in her calling. And I want you to look at this. She earns favor through the king's process, but she saves a nation through stepping into her calling. Oh, come on. That's so good. Look at this, look at this, look at this. She goes through 12 months of the king's process. This is the king's process. This is not Esther's process. Esther's just getting in, and she's just part of the king's process. She gains man's favor, but the only way that she saves a nation is if she has God's favor. And she gets God's favor when she steps into her royal identity as both a queen of Persia and a royal Jew. And she she meets that place where identity and calling fuse. And it's that moment in Esther 5 when you have identity and you have Esther's calling to save a nation. And it fuses together. And now it's not just the man's process. It's the Lord's process of calling. This is who I've called you to, Esther. This is what I've called you to. Isn't that cool? I love that. So she gains favor through a process with the king. But she saves the nation by being obedient to step into her identity and calling. And listen, Esther probably would have been a great queen had she not done this. But she would have never saved a nation. And she would have never stepped into her calling. And I think this is important. Because there's moments, right, where it's like Esther could have been a great queen had she just decided, no, I'm not going to approach the king. 
I bet she would have been a great queen, but she wouldn't have accomplished all that God had on her life if she wouldn't have stepped into her identity and into her calling. So what happens when we step into our identity? What happens? It is in that place that we find freedom. Listen, I I believe with all my heart that identity is one of the key elements, one of the key things that the enemy fights so hard against. He does not want you to know who you are in Christ. He does not want you to know what you have access to in Christ. This is the reason why the gospel is so important. He does not want you to know that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He doesn't want you to know that. Instead, he wants you to try to just go from thing to thing to thing and not realize that I am righteous. I am free. I have courage. I have favor. I have authority. Some of you, you need to declare that over yourself today. This is who I am in Christ. I don't have to strive to be this. I get to step into my identity. And it it all starts with knowing who God says that you are. Listen, the world works really hard to define you. Yes, the world tries to say this is who you should be. This is who you should be. This is how you should dress. These are the decisions that you should make. This is the path that life has for you. This is, this is, this is. And culture tries to come in and define who you are. And instead, this, we need to look at it and say, no, I'm only going to listen to who God says that I am. And who does God say that I am? Genesis 1.27 says that we are made in the image of God, man and woman. That means that as a man and as woman, I want to exhort you this morning, you are made in the image of God. What does that mean? It means that he finally crafted every detail of your life. He fearfully and wonderfully made you. Every single part of you, every part of your body is his. He is the one that made you. He molded you before you. he even knew you in his mother's womb. This is who you are. Yes? So I just, I want to come against that this morning because there's a tremendous battle right now in the area of identity. Even the fact that if you you research identity, you'll find that there's over 60 mentioned, there's over 60 genders now or something like that. When, When I researched this, my mind was blown. Like this is an identity crisis. We don't know who we are, and so we're trying to say, okay, yeah, that's fine. We'll just tack another one on. No, 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 no. That's, that's not it. We, get, we find who we are through God, through what he says. And he says, first of all, that there's only man and woman. Come on, this is the biblical, this is it. God created man and woman. He didn't create 52 other genders. And so there's an identity battle going on in our culture. And so what we have to do is we have to be so secure in who God says that we are so that when we are faced with culture, when we are faced with the things that we are being faced with now in 2021, we can stand up and we can say, this is who I know my God has made me to be. This is who I am. So listen to this. 
Walking in your God-given identity is where you will find favor that you could never create on your own. Oh, that's good. Come on. It's in that place where Esther stepped in. She approaches the king, and she steps into this God favor that she could have never gotten had she not stepped into her calling. I believe that there's a place when you know who you are and you're secure in who God made you, there's a, there's a place of godly favor that comes with that. There's favor on your life that comes when you walk in your identity and calling. This is like Esther. Esther isn't attempting, like we're, we're not attempting to please or to be someone we're not. We're standing in the fullness of who we were created. And so Esther had a choice. Am I going to remain silent? Am I going to stay hidden? For some of you this morning, for some women out here this morning, I believe the Lord is saying it's time to not be hidden anymore. Even as Esther, there's only one mention of her Jewish name. They were trying to hide, and it was okay for, for a season, but then it became life or death, and it was like, no, I can't hide any longer. If you remain silent, I am not going to remain silent. I want to encourage some of you this morning. This is the time not to remain silent. Listen to this. Esther stepped into her identity, which brought three things. One, an even greater measure of favor. The king specifically calls her queen and tells her here that she can have up to half the kingdom. That is intense favor. The second thing, she steps into her calling. She, she, is, she steps into the call not to be silent and to help free her people. And the third thing is this, your God-given identity will confront evil. Ooh, this is good. Come on. What's the best way to confront evil? To walk in who God called you to be. This is why when we talk about light overcoming darkness... We don't always have to pray for it. We get to be it. That's identity. I am the light. I am walking, as it says in Ephesians, as a children of light. That's my identity. And I love this. Your God-given identity brings authority that then confronts evil with light. This is what happened. Esther walks into the story, and Haman is, is, has this evil plan that he's hatched. What ends up happening? Haman ends up dying on the very gallows that he built. The, right, the unrighteous ends up falling, and the righteous take over because Esther stepped into identity. Your identity will confront unrighteousness. Your identity will confront evil. I already said this verse, Genesis 127, God made you in his own image. But sometimes we doubt this, don't we? I do. There's so many times I'm like, Lord, I don't, I don't know. Like, I wish I was better at this. I wish I looked more like that person. I wish I talked like that person. I wish I could preach like that person. I wish I could sing. I wish I could fill in the blank. And we make these statements that are declaring a false identity. Godly favor rests not in who you think you need to be, but in who God made you to be. And I want to tell a story real quick. I, 
a few years ago, I was, I was kind of in this really interesting transitional period in my life. I had, I had a business that I was running for a few years, and the business had never like fully taken off to the degree that I thought it would. And so I've just kind of been doing this thing, and I'm sort of in this mode where I'm like, Lord, am I to step deeper into ministry? Am I to, to do another marketing job? Like, what do you have for me? And I started, I remember I started applying for jobs and, you know, sending my resume out, and it was the weirdest thing. I would get to the last stage in the interview process, and all of a sudden, the chief executive, do you think the Lord is speaking to me? And so God began to shut the doors. And I realized, I realized, and I had this moment with the Lord where I was like, Lord, I lay this down. And I just ask you, like, direct my steps. And I remember really feeling like the Lord said, I want you to lay it all down, and I want you to step full into ministry. And I remember being like, okay, Lord, I don't know. And when I did it, I I want you to catch this. When I did it, I made that decision. My business has prospered more than it ever has. Come on. Why? Why? Because when I'm walking in my calling, it brings godly favor. I believe that with all my heart. Like, I stopped trying over here, and I became, I stepped into, no, I know I'm called to ministry. I know this is what I'm called to. And I stepped all the way in, and all of a sudden, I, have cli- I had a client call me out of the blue, a referral, the biggest client I've ever gotten in my life for my business. And then I have business being given to me. Like, I'm not even out there searching for it, and people are like, hey, I want to pull you in on this project. This is happening without me doing anything except I'm walking in my identity. I'm walking in my calling of who God has called me to be. And when you step into calling, there's a level of favor that comes with it. When you step into what God has called you to be, you unlock divine favor. And so listen, I I just want to, Like, as I was praying, I felt like the Lord really wanted me to speak identity over women specifically this morning. I just felt that in my heart. And there's this great story. It's this book called You Are Special by Max Lucado. If you've read this book, it's a phenomenal children's book. And basically, there's a wimmick named Punchinello. And Punchinello gets stars when people think that he's doing something good. So when people like what he's doing, they give him a star. But when they don't like it, they give him a gray dot. And so Punchinello walks around with these stars and these dots, and he's trying to please people because he wants as many stars as he can get. And all of a sudden, he meets this girl named Lucia who has no dots or stars. And she tells him, you need to meet the creator, Eli, who, of course, is a representation of God. And so Punchinello comes in, and he's like, Eli, why does Lucia have no stars? I want you to listen to what he says. He says, the dots and the stars won't stick if you stop being bothered by what others think of you. The dots and the stars won't even stick to you if you believe what God says about you. Identity. When you know who you are, those fiery darts of the evil one, those words that, that, that people speak against you, those things won't stick to you if you know who you are. They won't stick because you're like, that's not who I am. This is who I am. And so I, I, want, I want to affirm 
and empower the women of this house to step into all that God has for you. And if, if I can, can I have all of the women stand? And if I could get keys, that would be great. What I believe this morning, this is all building up to this. The Lord is raising up Esther's for such a time as this. I believe with all my heart that one of the greatest moves of the Lord is we're right on the cusp of it. And I believe that a large key to it is you. I believe that women is a large key to this move of God. I feel like the Lord is going to unlock something. He's going to empower you to step into all that God has. And that it's going to be a big key to us seeing the next move of the Lord. So I want to specifically say... I want you to step into all that God has for you at Convergence in the church as well. I want you to step into all that God has in the church. That's leading in the church. That's teaching in the church. That's empowering you to step into I believe that the Lord is raising up Esther's that will walk in their true identity. And I believe this morning that he is setting women free from striving to be someone that you're not. To trying to measure up to man-made expectations, comparison, And that he wants to establish you as a woman in the fullness of your identity in him. And so the first thing I want to do is I want to break off false identity. Anything that has been placed in an earthly thing and not who Jesus says you are. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. I want to affirm you. I want this morning, we thank you, Lord, that you are renewing minds. And I, I, I say that you are, we put on the new self. Some of us, we're, we, we know that we're a new creation, but we are not walking in the fullness of that thing. You are. You have a new self. The old self is in the past. The old self is behind you. Then behold, the new has come. So we put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God. And I want to exhort you in this. When you walk in that, it's, you are created for righteousness and holiness and truth. morning we choose to step into the fact that as believers we are a new creation listen where where culture has tried to define women in a specific way in an ungodly way culture says this is who you should be i just want to speak this over you your identity is not found in what others think about you your identity is not defined by the mistakes you have made Your identity is not what the world says a woman should be like. What the world says a woman should should look like. That is not who you are. God says, this is who I have made you to be. Listen to this. He made you in his perfect image. Every part of you was designed and fashioned uniquely by God. Psalms 139 says, you are fearfully and you wonderfully made. You are righteous. You were bought with a price. You were worth it. Your identity is found in the fact that you were created in his image. Therefore, you are his. And so I just want to pray. And Lord, we just ask you this morning, we just release identity right now. 
And I just ask you, Jesus, we thank you for Esther's rising. Esther's that will say, I will not be silent, but I will walk in the fullness of my identity. I just ask you right now, Lord, we thank you that you are raising up Esther's for such a time as this. And so, Lord, we just thank you, God, for, I, I just speak over you, we need your voice. We need your voice. We need it in the body of Christ. We need it. And so right now, in Jesus, I, just, I just ask you, Lord, that you would fill them with courage to speak. That, that, that we just declare that we will not be silent. You will not be silent. But there is a time for such a time as this where the Lord is raising up your voice in this hour. And Lord, we just speak identity over them this morning. We just thank you that you are who God says that you are. That you carry the light of Jesus inside of you. Light that overcomes darkness every time. And so Lord, where, where culture is coming and trying to dictate things, we just break off that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we break off anything that culture has tried to put on you. Anything that other people's words have spoken over you. Anything that even like, maybe in past times that, that the church has spoken over you. We just, we just remove that now in Jesus' name. And we exhort you and empower you to step into all that God has. All that God has. So Lord, we just thank you, Lord. And I just ask you, Lord, that you would give them courage. That I thank you that your favor is resting upon them. We ask you for fresh authority, Lord. Fresh authority, God. And we just declare identity over them. Identity. Identity. And right now, we clothe them with their royal robes. We clothe them, as it says in Esther 5, we clothe them with their royal robes. And we thank you that now is the time to step into your full identity. And Lord, I ask you, Lord, for any questions of the enemy to just be removed now in Jesus' name. Lord, I, I just ask you that you would renew minds, Lord. I think some of this, for some of you, there, there's a mind battle going on. And Lord, we just remove those thoughts in Jesus' name. And we ask you that your mind would be the mind of Christ. We renew minds this morning. Would you renew minds, Lord? We just speak identity over you. We just speak identity. Lord, would you raise up the prophetesses in this hour? God, would you raise up the leaders in this hour in the church? Would you raise up the teachers in this hour? Would you raise up the voice in this hour, Lord? Jesus. Yeah. Things happen when we step into our identity that could never happen. And I just feel like there's some of you, you like you felt stuck. And the, the issue is not trying harder. It's about identity. Because your favor is at that place of identity. And I saw, I just it was brought to my mind, like, you know, how... That Satan, when he was tempting Jesus, he said, if you are the Son of God. And he began to cast doubt on identity. And I saw the Lord erasing that if. And when you erase that if, the accusation actually becomes a true statement. You are the Son of God. You are a beautiful, amazing woman of God. You are a royal daughter of the King. And Lord, I thank you that you are removing the if of the accusation of the enemy. And we come out of agreement with that if in any place that we've been into agreement with that. And we step into the fullness of who we are in you. 
And we bless you as women of God. And we declare the breath of God is breaking the power of that if accusation off of you in Jesus' name. You are a mighty woman of God. You are chosen for such a time as this. You are clothed with royal robes. You have been made adequate as a servant of the new covenant. And we want to come as men in this house and say we agree with who God says you are and not with the accusations of the enemy. We agree that you are royal, that you are mighty, and we receive you as who you are, the fullness of who you are in the Lord. Yeah, and I just saw, like literally, I saw you as women even tomorrow morning. I just saw your feet hit the floor, and the first words out of your mouth are for such a time as this. And I want to say to you that for such a time as this wasn't just for Esther. It wasn't just for her assignment. It wasn't just for the call on her life. You were put on this earth for such a time as this. However you were conceived, you were formed by God. You were conceived. He breathed life into you. And you were put on this earth for such a time as this. And your voice is meant to be heard for such a time as this. And I just want to release you. I want to release your voice. I want to release your beauty. I want to release you to be the fullness of who you're created to be. And when your feet hit the floor in the morning for such a time as this. And so I just feel like even right now, like that's like, like we need to let out, like just in words, we need to let out the voice. And so together, I just feel like we need to say those words together and look around like you're not alone. We are together. We are together in this and we are cheering each other on in our assignments for this season for such a time as this. So I just feel like we need to release that sound and we need to say together for such a time as this. So are you ready? Get louder than usual. Okay, get louder than usual, get bolder than usual, because you're going to leave here louder and bolder, okay? All right, you ready? For such a time as Wow, that's so good. I wanted to do one more thing. If we could have all the men stand. I want to just take a moment, and what I want you guys to do, since you guys are behind them, I, I, I saw, when my dad said that, I'd, I'd already been planning on doing this, but I saw us stepping in as Mordecai's, and we were admonishing them to step into their calling and their identity. So here's what I want us to do, is I want us to just spend just a couple minutes, and what I want you to do as men, I just want you to begin just yelling out encouragement. Just yell out encouragement right now. We're just going to admonish and encourage them to walk in that. So let's just do that. We just encourage you. We thank you for courage. Courage. Identity. Godly favor, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for that you are warriors. You are warriors. That you are warriors. That there is hope. There is peace. You carry the truth of God inside of you. You carry love that casts out fear inside of you. Come on. 
That's so good. All right. Well, we're going to we're going to do one more thing here. I just want to de- declare over these main points over you again. We just declare an even greater measure of favor over your life. We thank you that from this moment on, this is a marking moment. This is the moment where you're stepping into the fullness of your identity. And within that, I ask even this week, Lord, we ask you for godly favor that comes with that. We ask you for an even greater measure, Lord. And we ask you as well, Lord, we thank you that as they are stepping into the fullness, Lord, we thank you, God, that they are going to confront evil head on. And that they're going to release righteousness. They're going to release truth. They're going to release the reality of the kingdom of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name.